Y'all didn't get the message today, did you? Dress up day. Everybody did a double take, you know. What are you doing, man? Well, I just was inspired. Because, no, I did not forget the tie. I can't do the tie. If you die or if you get married, I'll wear a tie. But I just couldn't wear a tie today because um, I hate it. I just absolutely hate it. June 9th, yeah, I'll have it on. Are you dying or getting married? <laughs> That's up for debate, right? I understand. Um, Jeff's getting married here June 9th, and uh, so you're seeing a preview. Um, and because I've always been told that clothes make the man, so this should be a whale of a sermon today, right? You know, compared to normal. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, here's what it says. The Lord God called to Adam, where are you? First question asked in the Bible. First question asked of humans. Where are you? Now, what's happening here? Adam and Eve have rebelled against God. And we talked about this last week, that, that they made their own clothes because they, for the first time ever they realized they were naked. So they made their clothes. They grabbed leaves. Not, not a real permanent garment. And they sewed together leaves, some vegetables, for their clothes. They camouflage themselves. And then this, this incredible thing is they try to hide from God. They go in the bushes and they try to hide from God. And so the Bible says that God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And, and he says, where are you? He notices that some hide and seek is going on. And here's the first point on your listening guide. Hiding from God is stupid. I, I thought of using different words because, you know, Caleb, I think you can say that now, right? You can say stupid, but you have to be real discreet in your use of it. You know, because little kids saying stupid just doesn't sound good. So, you know, hey, you have to be 12 in our house. So they'll say stew or something like that, you know, maybe spell it. But I just couldn't think of anything better to put than stupid. Hiding from God is stupid. Now, when my kids were younger, the favorite game to play was hide and go seek. I'd come home from work and, and kids want to play. And it didn't matter which one. When they were little, it's, Daddy, play with me. Daddy, play with me. Okay, we're going to play. Hide and go see. And uh, my kids weren't very good hiders. You know, they might be half of them sticking out from behind, the, you know, a, the, the recliner. But they would close their eyes and they would think I couldn't see them. You know, they can't see me. I can't see them. And so, you know, I'm like, this is real hard. Um, so, but I would play along because like Hannah, Hannah was, was so funny because she would hide and she'd have her eyes closed and I'd go, where's Hannah? <laughs> and I would tell them all the time, be quiet if you're hiding. Cause sometimes they'd want to hide with me. And you know, one of the others would be looking for us and <laughs> I'm like, Shh. but when they're hiding, I look, <laughs> where's Hannah? <laughs> and if I did it long enough, she'd go. Right here, Dad. Because sometimes just to jack with her, I wouldn't find her. I'd walk right around past her and she'd stomp, Daddy, I'm right here! Because she wanted to be found, you know? And uh, it's like, yo, moron! <laughs> What's up with you? But the way the game is played is I'm hiding, you find me. That's the fun. Now, when we get older, we get better at hiding. <clears throat> but I would say that the point of the game is still to be found. And um, Hannah's hiding from me as a child, made as much sense as Adam and Eve hiding from God. Because Superman had nothing on God. X-ray vision, God invented it. 
infrared imaging. See, I was thinking about this and I thought, the guy who created Where's Waldo? Does he ever have any trouble finding Waldo? Does he turn on the page and go, oh, I don't remember where I put him. No. It's foolish to think that the Where's Waldo guy can't find Waldo because once I've found Waldo, what happens when I turn the page? I see Waldo. God's the creator of the universe. He is outside of our frame of reference. He's everywhere all at the same time. He knows everything. So hiding from God is stupid. Um, he sees everything and he knows everything. So here's the deal. You cannot hide from God. And I want you to say that with me. You cannot hide from God. Say it again. You cannot hide from God. Now, say it like you mean it. You cannot hide from God. Don't get anything else. Get that today. But God plays along. He knows exactly where we are. But he comes into the garden and he asks the question for the benefit of Adam and Eve. Where are you? Because he wants them to recognize that they are far from God, that they have moved away from him. And God plays the same game with us today. And he's asking you today, where are you? Adam and Eve were hiding. And I want to know, do you ever hide from God? You don't have to give a testimony right now, but um, we try it just like Adam and Eve do. And we're no more successful than Adam and Eve were. And when you think about this, it makes no sense for Adam and Eve to try to hide from God. Because what did they have? Paradise. Jenny and I are saving up some money to go on a cruise this fall. And uh, we love cruises because the food is incredible. You're, you're, um, we, we went to Alaska a couple years ago with my parents. And we got upgraded to a balcony. I mean, we couldn't afford that. Of course, Mom and Dad paid for the whole trip. But we got bumped up to a balcony. And you just sit out there and awe oh, the scenery, food 24-7, whatever you want. And, and Adam and Eve, they had the scenery, they had the food. Animals weren't even a threat then because everybody was a vegetarian. So you could pet the lions and the zebras and the bears, oh my. You could just have a great time. The companionship was awesome. They were created specifically by God for each other. So the sex was incredible. Why were they then hanging out in this vacation paradise? They were hanging out by the one thing they couldn't have. I do not understand that. In their minds, like in our minds, if they did the one thing that God said don't do, they thought they'd be free. But we know the rest of the story. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And here's the second point. Hiding from God leads to slavery. You may think that's a strong term, but if you think that's a strong term, come hang out and celebrate recovery sometime. And people talk about the things that have caught them and wrapped them up. Um, when we rebel, freedom is not what we get. We get bondage to whatever the sin is. We become slaves. I was reading this week in a little Baptist publication, Southern Baptist of Texas publication, and it was talking about all these guys trapped in, in pornography. One guy read a long story, pages and pages. His story was um, he was a former minister and he left the ministry to start a business with some other guys. And the pressure just got to it, he said. So there was this adult uh, topless bar thing right across the street from where he had his business. And he started going hanging out there. And um, he said he went there to escape the pressures of life. But his escape mechanism eventually became a prison where he was captured. He lost his wife. 
He lost his job. He lost his family. He lost his reputation. All for pornography. Ask him today if, if it was worth it. And he said in the article, no, it's, it's not worth it. Do you know why most people drink alcohol? It ain't for the taste. Because there are non-alcoholic beverages that have the same taste. And let's just be real today. Most people drink alcohol for the buzz. Problem is, when you get the buzz, your brain shifts a few gears more stupid. And you keep going until you get drunk. Then you act a total fool. And most people I know that get drunk on a regular basis, I would not characterize them as bad people. I would say they're trying to escape life. They can't handle the pressure of life. I mean, this is, I see it all the time. I talk to people all the time. I was one of those people one time. And, and you're just trying to get away from life. You don't know how to deal with the pain of life, so you try to medicate your pain with alcohol. It's the same with any sin. Folks here in our church are recovering from alcohol addiction, sex addiction, drug addiction, um, there's all kinds of addictions, money, power addiction, all these things they thought would make them feel good and they thought would help them have some sense of power in their own lives eventually become a prison and they become enslaved to it. And the only person who can't see that they're slaves is the person who is the slave. Because if you ask friends, you ask family members, they'll tell you that you're in slavery. Humans have been trying to hide from God since the beginning and always with the same results. So let's learn from those who've gone before us. Adam and Eve hid from God. Moses hid from God. He killed an Egyptian, buried him in the sand, thinking, you know, that he could hide um, the evidence. Found out that not only did everybody know, but Pharaoh know. And Pharaoh wanted to, found out Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses. So Moses then had to run from Pharaoh and God. And he goes out into this wilderness and becomes a shepherd. He goes from Pharaoh's family, the most powerful family in the world, to the lowest job you can have in the world at that time, babysitting sheep. And it cost him 40 years of his life. So hiding from God didn't work so well there. Jonah hid from God in a boat. Um, that didn't go so well. Jonah told, uh, God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, we're going to play a little game here to help you understand what, what's going on. Nineveh was 550 miles east of Jerusalem. All right, so let's just, let's see if you can figure out. We've got a Pictionary thing here. We want you to figure out, see if you can figure out what this is. What is that supposed to be? There you go, Texas and Florida. You can be on my team. Um, Texas and Florida. Everybody see that? Texas and Florida. And, and the dot, uh, it's not really, I guess that's kind of Palestine. So we'll just say it's Palestine since we are in Palestine. Um, there's Palestine. Now, God called Jonah to go 550 miles east. So just, you know, guessing, Florida. All right, you got it? Here's what God said. Go to Nineveh. Jonah, being the prophet and mighty man of God that he was, see if you can figure out where this is. Alaska, y'all are good. Y'all are good. Now, you don't have to be real smart to figure out if you're supposed to go here to Florida and you go here to Alaska, is that the direction God called you to go? No. I mean, this is crazy and it leads to the next point. Uh, Tarshish is where he hopped his boat to, and it's 2,500 miles west of Nineveh. Do the math. 
He's now 3,000 miles from where God wanted him to go. And here's the next point. Hiding from God takes us further than we want to go. Because when he eventually came to his senses, and he did come to his senses, because if you're called by God to do something, the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. If you are a child of God and you, uh, and you are far from him, you're hiding from him, you will be disciplined. Jonah gets thrown into the sea. And if you read the whole thing, it's just four chapters. It's a great book to read and we'll do a study on it sometime. He, he gets thrown into the sea because he's running from God. You know, a big storm going to kill the, everybody on the ship. And so they throw him over the storm, becomes calm. He's in the ocean and he's thinking and, and read the prayer. He says, as the seaweed is wrapping around my head, I called out to God. <laughs> I had an attitude adjustment is basically what he's saying. When I'm at the bottom of the ocean, drowning, gasping for air, then I said, OK, God, I'll do what you say. So God sends the big uh, fish to come and swallow him up, you know, and he saves him and, and all that stuff. But here's the problem. Even when he had the attitude adjustment, how far was he from Nineveh? 3,050 miles. So, when you come to your senses, you've still got to travel all the way back to where God wants you to go. So, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to hide from God and to go that direction. Some of you here, maybe most of you here, know that you've been given an assignment from God. If you don't know that, keep coming because we're going to help you discover that assignment from God. But those of you who know you've been given an assignment, you're running from God and trying to hide from God and your church family, I want you to listen. Because it is not just for your sake that you need to come back to God. It's for the sake of others who are watching you that you need to quit hiding. Because point four, hiding from God hides God from others. When Adam and Eve hid in the garden... They hid from God. They were hiding God from each other because they were created in the image of God. And that means we are to reflect God. And this was a perfect situation. And when they hide, when you move away from God, your reflection of God is not very clear. The further you are from God, if you're 3,050 miles from God, you are not reflecting God to other people. Moses, his job was to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. Kind of hard to do when you're um, a sheep babysitter hundreds of miles away from Egypt in the desert in another country. Um, Jonah, he was supposed Jonah's assignment was this: go to Nineveh and preach an eight word sermon. Forty days and Nineveh will be no more. Eight words. How hard is that? But he was prejudiced against the Ninevites, so he didn't want to go. When he goes, he has an attitude adjustment. He has to have another one later in the book. That's kind of funny. He has this attitude adjustment. He goes and he walks from one side of Nineveh to the other. So a little bit bigger than Tyler. He walks around for three days and he says, 40 days and Nineveh will be no more. Whatever. Eight, eight words. You know what happens? The whole city, 120,000 people, turn to God. There has never been a revival like that recorded in human history where the whole city turned to God. No, Jonah couldn't do that from 3,000 miles away. He had to come back, obey God, and then when he did, he quit hiding God from others and it changed the whole city. 
So who are you leading to hell? By hiding from God. I did a talk years ago in youth ministry. Who are you going to hell with? Because the argument was, many of you are pretending to be followers of Christ, but you're running from God and you're taking people with you. And it's very possible that you and your friends are going to bust hell wide open because you're not doing what God's called you to do. Some of us were talking this week about our church and, and we've grown and there are new people that have come and joined new life. But you've probably noticed that the last few weeks there haven't been a lot of new faces, brand new people. And uh, I believe it's because some of us are hiding God from others. We've been given a job to do, and that's to show the love of Christ to other people. But we can't do that when we're hiding from God. When we're hiding from God, we hide God from others. So how do we do that? Well, lots of folks think they are wearing Christ, but they aren't wearing Christ the way Christ was intended to be worn, the way God wants you to wear him. On the cross, we talked about this last week, Jesus said, it is finished. And we said, what, what is finished? The custom-made garment that, that Jesus Christ has made for you, that's his purpose for your life. You have to choose to take off your torn, um, filthy rags. The, the version we used last week was our, our robes of righteousness are like filthy rags. You have to choose to take it off, put on Christ, and that's where we got this whole jacket thing. So um, if you were here last week, you understand why we're continuing this. And some people last week said, boldly declared, I'm wearing Christ. And there were some people here last week who for the first time in their lives said, I'm wearing Christ. Welcome to the family of God. But some of us are hiding God from others. And how are we doing that? Well, some of you wear Christ like this. Almost brought a hat up here so I could do this. Pimping Jesus. I can't do the walk, so I won't even try. <laughs> what this means is you're attempting to use Jesus for your own selfish gain. I'll use you, God. That's what a pimp does. And you'll make this bargain with God. You'll say these words. You got that? Sure. I don't know if it's there. You know, it's not there. Fill in the blank. I'll do blank if you give me what I want, God. I'll do prayer. I'll do church. I'll be nice to strangers. I'll go down to the soup kitchen. If you'll do for me what I want you to do, God, you're a pimp. God, I need a new house. Some people say I need a new spouse. Some people say, you know, I need eternal life. I need forgiveness of sins. Um, I'll act a certain way, God, only if you'll do for me what I want you to do. And that, really, that's religion. We've talked about that before. Religion is very self-centered. Religion is all me. And this person has eye trouble. Put that up there. What they're doing is they're looking at me. Eye trouble. And, and what a pimp desperately needs is to get their eyes off themselves and, and onto God. Because you're not fooling God. Here's the thing. The Creator, where's Waldo, dude, knows where you are. He even knows your thoughts. Look what First Corinthians, First Chronicles 28, 9 says. The Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. And He's asking you right now, where are you? Are you using God? Are you pimping Him? 
Is he your lucky rabbit's foot? For the pimp, take your eyes off yourself, put your eyes on God. Now, some of you aren't pimping Jesus. During the week, what you'll do is you'll reverse Jesus. I don't want anybody to know that I'm a follower of Christ. It's about me. What does me good? My pleasures. What gets me high? I'm a chameleon. And if some of you will remember Boy George, come a, come a, come a, come a, come a chameleon. Some of you are like, who? Um, if you've seen The Wedding Singer, the, the guy in the background, he's, he's, he's an imitation of Boy George. Okay. Younger of you have to go there. Got to explain it. Not nearly as funny if you have to explain it. I blend into the crowd because I'm so cool. Or because I'm a coward. But on Sundays, I'm worshiping Jesus. No, you're not. You don't flip a switch when it comes to worship. Your public worship is, a, is, is in direct... Um, is a direct reflection of your private worship. And, and folks, lots of times... We'll say these things, you know, you go and you have roast preacher after church. I didn't get anything out of that. You weren't prepared. Because I don't care how much I prepare. There's this human element that's involved because I'm, I'm a fallen sinner saved by grace. And I can, I can study hours and hours and I do each week. And this is all I can achieve by human effort. By my effort. No matter how much I pray, how much I study. There is this gap that goes from there, like to here. And here's where life change happens. And the Holy Spirit has to take my efforts and apply it to your life to bring about life change. So there's, you know, I've just, I understand that I'm human and that I'm, I'm going to mess up from time to time and that there's nothing I can do. But I pray that the Holy Spirit, we prayed this week that the Holy Spirit would take this message and apply it to your heart so that there would be some life change. So that some more people can come to Christ. Um, our Creator knows what's going on. And, and this person, too, has the eye trouble. Focusing on self. And Jesus said this, Matthew twenty three twenty eight: People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. The problem with trying to fool God is you can't. And there's going to be a time he's going to tell you the truth about you. And it hurts. And the real danger, if you are reversing Jesus, is you become what you wear. You've heard you become what you eat. You are what you eat. Well, the Bible says that you become what you wear. Psalm 135 says, Idols of silver and gold are made and worshipped in other nations. They have a mouth and eyes, but they can't speak or see. They're completely deaf and they can't breathe. Everyone, here it is, who makes idols and all who trust them will end up as helpless as their idols. Silver and gold are real shiny. But they don't have any power to save your soul or cure you of a disease or heal a marriage. Or help you connect with a wayward child. So the choice is, you've got to decide, am I going to be shiny? Am I going to look good for the crowds? I mean, that's shiny, isn't it? Or am I going to be significant? Reversers of Jesus 
will never achieve significance. And, and the really scary thing to me is that reverses of Jesus are probably not even in the family of God. The Bible says in Mark 8.38, if a person is ashamed of me, Jesus is speaking, and my message in these adulterous and sinful days. He's saying, if you're ashamed of me, and I think adulterous and sinful days pretty well describes America in 2007. He says, if you're ashamed of me now, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return to the glory of my Father with the holy angels. Reversers are ashamed of Jesus, and Jesus says, I'll be ashamed of reversers. Now, there's another group. So, where Jesus like this, casual Jesus. You know what? Uh, you know what you do when you are casually dating someone? You call them up when you got nothing better to do. When all of the good plans fall through, you call up people that you're casually dating because you got nothing better to do. And casual daters of Christ, they'll show up once a month, every six weeks, every other month. And um, I just got to ask you, <laughs> Janie and I have been married 16 years, and what if I just talk to Janie once a month? I can honestly say our marriage is better and stronger today than it was 16 years ago. I love her more now than I did 16 years ago, but it's not because we hung out once a month. What if I worked out once a month, which is about my schedule right now? How effective is that? Not very. What if I use deodorant once a month? Yeah. What if I brush my teeth once a month? My relationship with Janie would not be very good. She loves me, but, you know, it's only so much you can do with skank breath. Morning breath. How effective is mouthwash 30 days after use? So why do we think that if we spend one hour with Jesus a month, he's going to make any difference in our lives? Um, there are 744 hours in a month. If you, in 31 days, if you spend 743 hours doing your thing and one hour a month with Christ, who's really in charge of your life? Following Christ is a 24-7 deal. It's all or nothing. Christ can't be Lord at all in your life if he is not Lord of all in your life. You get that? He will not be Lord at all in your life if he is not Lord of all in your life. All or nothing. You want what God has to offer. It costs you your life. So where are you? Check out your wardrobe. You'll know. Now, there's another group of folks where Jesus like this. It's a life preserver. I don't want to go to hell. So the only time I need Jesus is when I die. Worst thing that can possibly happen to me is when I die. So life preserver Jesus. So that when I hop off death, I don't burn in hell. I don't need him any other time. I just need 
life insurance, fire protection. And um, it's really dangerous when you clothe yourself in Christ like this. Because the Bible says that when you clothe yourself in Christ, change will happen. It's one of the things that indicates whether you really are a follower of Christ or not. Is have you changed? I didn't ask permission, but I'm going to do it anyway. Those of you who have known Jason Selman, is he the same man today that he was three years ago? He's shaking his head no. Three years ago, their marriage was falling apart. Three years ago... His daughter called 911 because he and Danae were fighting and she was scared. You think their daughter's calling 911 today? No. Because he's changed. And people have come and said, what is going on with you? He clothed himself in Christ. And you will change if you clothe yourself with Christ. Look in the Bible. It's every person who clothed themselves in Christ changed. When Jesus went to little Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. What? For I'm going to your house today. He went and had lunch with him. And this so dramatically changed this rip-off tax artist. Because he was the chief tax collector. He was the rip-off artist of all rip-off artists. And when he met Jesus, he stands up after lunch and he goes, he says, if I, right now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay them back four times as much as I've taken. That's a changed life. Because when, when it hits your pocketbook, you know you're serious about God. It's a huge indicator Whether someone knows Christ or they're just pimping him. Have you changed? Because Jesus says, here's what I came to do. Matthew 20, 28. This is what the Son of Man has done. Son of Man was his favorite term for himself. And if you do a study of it, it's a pretty majestic term. Uh, Go all the way back to the book of Daniel and you'll learn about the Son of Man. Um, Jesus was identifying as a fully human, fully God person when he called himself the Son of Man. He says, here's what I came to do. I came to serve, not to be served, and then to give my life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. My question is, if you're not wearing Christ the way that Christ, that way God wants you to wear Christ, my question is, is what you're pursuing, is the idol you're pursuing worth it? Because when you bust hell wide open and you take the people you supposedly love with you to hell... When you need someone to help you in time of trouble, we were watching the tornado as it was coming into Haltham City. We were seeing some film on that. And, and everyone was going, oh, my God. Oh, dear God, please, God. And I, I turned and looked at Janie and I said, not any atheists when you think you're going to die. They thought they were going to die because it's coming right out. I'm thinking, why are you filming? <laughs> if you're going to film Maybe you deserve to die. Go hide. When you bust hell wide open, is your idol going to be able to save you? No. Hiding from God will mess you up and it will mess others up. But running to God is where you experience freedom. 
When we do what God commands, it's, it's the craziest thing. We experience freedom. The chains actually fall off of our lives. You may not have realized that you were hiding until today, but some of you, I know you, and I know in your heart, you know you've been running from God. You've been hiding from God for a long time. And, and the question God's asking is, where are you? Are you experiencing freedom in your life? And if you have the courage, I dare you to ask someone who is close to you and who is close to Christ, if they see you becoming more free in your life or if they see you slipping into bondage. And if they really love you, they'll tell you the truth. And you'll accept it if you're wise. And if you're not, you'll go off and ruin your life. I've sat across from people in jail many times. And, and as I'm talking to them through the glass, you know, we got the phone. As I'm talking to those people, I remember cases where their eyes were wild, like a caged animal. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. And in one instance, he got out. Went right back to the same idol and ended up right back there. Didn't learn. Um, if you have real friends who are close to Christ, they'll tell you the truth about what you're doing. And I hope it will make a difference. If they don't see you experiencing more freedom, then you're probably hiding from God. And you're hiding God from others. You'll know the answer about your life by how you're wearing Christ. So what I'm going to challenge you to do is get dressed for success today. We said the cross is all about the exchange, taking off your life, putting on the life of Christ. How do you do that? Well, let me just explain it like this. Got my collar down there. Kind of. <laughs> she said, not really. Yesterday, this is really funny that I'm in a suit today because yesterday we had a soccer game and it was stinking cold. And uh, Jane and the girls went on down there. They had sleeping bags they were in and all this stuff. Well, I didn't want to be cold, so I took all my camo stuff, my hunting stuff, because when I go sit in a deer stand, I don't get cold. So I got my, my overalls on, but what's funny is I have a 16-year-old ski jacket that's purple and yellow and red over the top. And uh, Jamie and the girls were down there, she told me that as I come walking, she goes, look at that is. She goes, he doesn't care what people think, because he's warm. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm warm. Y'all can look at me that I'm not styling. I don't care because I'm warm. The only thing I forgot was my bald head. And that was freezing. So anyway, here's the deal. You have a throne in your life. And if you want to know how to get dressed for success, you got to get your butt off of the throne. Because as long as you're sitting here, you're not wearing Christ. You get off of the throne and you invite Christ to get on the throne. And when you do this, you no longer are using God. God begins to use you. And the key is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I remember being a teenager and struggling with whether I really wanted to follow God or not, because I thought he was going to send me to Africa. I'd have to go live in a hut. Worry about diarrhea. 
Not have running water. I mean, seriously, I thought God is some cruel God. <laughs> Come follow me and I'll tear up your dreams. And I finally had somebody tell me. He said, dude, you don't know God. Because God will never call you to do something that you won't love. When I was a teenager preaching. Oh, please. Preachers are boring. That's what you play when you got insomnia. I was not going to preach. There's nothing I'd rather do now. Than try to explain to people how they can know this God of love, this God who has this incredible plan for you. So the whole deal is priorities. Delight yourself in the Lord really means get off of the throne. Ask God to be there. Put him first. And then all of those desires of your heart. God will give you those and you will you will absolutely love what God's called you to do. And I share at funerals that we've got this messed up picture of heaven. You won't sit around on clouds playing harps. You don't become an angel. The Bible doesn't talk about that. Bible says that in heaven we will have a memory. We will we will know people. In fact, we'll know folks that we've never met before. <laughs> I kind of look forward to seeing old Moses. What's up, Mo? I said to O.J. Simpson years ago, I said, stop juice. And Janie was beside me. And she's like, you called him juice. And I'm like, that's his nickname. Orange juice, O.J. And she went, you called him juice. I'm going to say Mo. What's up, Mo? I'm going to know him. Elijah, Elisha. Enoch, the dude who never died, walked with God and he was no more. What's up, Enoch? And he'll know me. I mean, you'll have. But one of the things God is going to do is he's going to give you a job to do there that you will absolutely love. You won't sit around. We'll worship God and we'll do a job that we will love to do. And this life is a preparation for the next. This is the test drive. The only thing you get to take with you into eternity is your character. So if you are running from God and you are a child of God, know this. You are not going to be comfortable. Because God doesn't care about your comfort. He cares about your character. And if you are his child, he will discipline you. And if you think you're his child and you're not being disciplined. The Bible says you're a stepchild and you are not a follower of Christ. How do you dress for success? You put Christ first. Now, next week, we're going to talk about three questions. You ready for these three questions? How can you eat steak for the glory of God? Guys are like, yeah, steak for the glory of God. Second question is, how can you shop for the glory of God? Ladies perked up. Yeah, yeah. And the third one is, how can you make love to your wife for the glory of God? Or somebody said that. Do you know you can do those things? I'm going to explain to you next week. But you got to be here. Do you take your registration cards? And I'm just going to ask you, where are you? So that's your registration card. And then on the back, here's, I'm going to give you three options. And I just ask you to be brutally honest. Are you hiding from God? If you are, you put hiding from God. Are you hiding God from others? If you are, you put hiding God from others. And see, nobody's going to come beat on your door, you know, the 
the Christian Gestapo. And, um, we're not checking refrigerators. We want to know where, if you know where you are. Because we love you. God loves you like you are, but He loves you too much to leave you where you are. To leave you the way you are. And if you can't be honest here, then, then I don't know where you can go and be honest. And then the last one is running towards God. And maybe today you, you realize that you need to be running towards God. And you can get it straight right now and you can say, God, I want to come home. When the prodigal finally came to his senses and he said, I'll go back home. The father was standing there looking for him. And when he made that first step into sight. The father in the story did something a Middle Eastern father would never do. He ran. It was it was improper for a Middle Eastern man to run. It was beneath him. But this father in the story is a picture of God, the father who is looking anxiously for you. And the moment you turn, make any indication that you want to run towards him, he'll meet you. And he'll change your life from the inside out. So make a choice today between whatever idol you've been serving and God. Let's pray together.